Welcome to St. Andrew and to our virtual worship for the 12th week of Pentecost. It is a joy to have you with us in this way, and if you would like more information about life and ministry at St. Andrew, either online or in person, we invite you to visit our website at mystandrew.org. And with that, we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us pray. Almighty God, we confess that we have fallen short of your glory. We are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you and one another in our thoughts, words, and actions. Have mercy on us according to your steadfast love. By the power of your Holy Spirit, renew us and restore to us the joy of your salvation so that we may live and serve you in newness of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus was given to die for you and for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. And so it is by the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that I, his unworthy servant, announce this grace of God to you, and I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you think, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered disciples not to tell anyone that he is the Messiah. Hi everyone. If you had to describe Jesus to a friend, what would you say? You might say that he is compassionate, kind, forgiving, or loving. In today's Bible story, Jesus asked his disciples who they thought he was. Peter replied by saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knew exactly who Jesus was because he spent time with him and had faith in him. In the same way, we can know Jesus and discover more about him when we read his word and grow in our faith. Jesus says that Peter's faith is a rock that he can build his church on. Your faith is also like a rock. It is the firm foundation that you can build your life on. When the storms of life come, the rock does not change or break. God is our dependable, solid rock. And if we build our lives on him, we will never be shaken. Let's fold our hands, bow our heads, and say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for being our dependable, solid rock. Help us to remember that we can trust you even when the storms of life come. Thank you for being with us. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everyone loves a good story. Um, I know that I say good as if somehow that's an easy word to say because really good, of course, is a matter of opinion as to what really makes a story good, right? But the truth is everyone loves a good story. Now, personally, I think that a good story or at least one of the things that makes a story good is, of course, whether or not I can relate to one of the characters, if not more, in the story. And uh, what really stands out for me is when I want to be one of the characters. Or I guess I should say, I want to write myself into the story as one of the characters. I think that's really what makes a story stand out for me, what makes a story good. And I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. Uh, whether it's your favorite movie or your favorite TV show or your favorite book, uh, your favorite character in any of those things is the one that you want to be. Or at least you've had that thought, and of course, that's part of what makes it good. Um, for example, I really enjoy the story about a guy who comes to Earth as a baby from another planet, and he eventually becomes an intelligent and successful reporter, while at the same time, saving the world from all kinds of countless things going on, countless catastrophes. I mean, he is just incredible. 
I wouldn't mind that being my story. Pretty awesome. Or uh, the story about a boy who, as a baby, his parents died, saving his life, protecting him uh, from an evil that one day, as he gets older, he learns and he actually avenges their death as, as he destroys this evil and he saves countless lives in the process. I mean, what a good story. Uh, and did I mention that he's a wizard? I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, or recently, there's this really popular story uh, about uh, the $10 founding father without a father who got a lot farther by working a lot harder and by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter. I mean, talk about another good story. A story that, sure, I'd want to be in that story. I want to be that guy. But uh, I think today's story, it's another one of those good stories. A story, in fact, that, that there's a character that, man, I'd want to be, and, and I think you'd want to be him too. Uh, in fact, it's almost a little too obvious today because, of course, the character is none other than Peter. But that's at least for this week. See, next week, you might not want to be Peter, but I'm going to let Pastor Mark tell you all about that. <laughs> See, when our story begins today, we hear Jesus talking to the disciples and asking them uh, two questions. It's really one question, but he phrases it two different ways. And honestly, we could talk about these questions for hours and hours, but I've been advised against that. So I'm going to try to make it brief this morning. Uh, here's how our story begins. Uh, Jesus opens up looking at the disciples, and he says to them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, this is a question that the disciples have probably heard a plethora of answers to, uh, both during their time with Jesus and their time uh, without Jesus. I'm sure they've heard all kinds of speculations about who the Son of Man is and how people would answer that question. Maybe they've even asked it and got answers of their own. And here's how they respond, uh, with some common names, names that even you and I know. Uh, they say, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, these, of course, are more or less uh, the popular names. Names, in fact, that for Matthew's gospel, people would have known. Uh, of course, Matthew's audience were Jews and Gentiles, both who were coming into the Christian life. And so those are all popular names. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, and other prophets. I mean, it makes sense given the context. But then Jesus asked the same question this time with a different emphasis. See, he, he turns to the disciples again and he says to them, But who do you say that I am? Who do you Say that I am. As I was reading uh, the text this week, I found myself uh, just reading that question over and over again and then being taken back to uh, my first year of seminary. In fact, it was the second day of classes during my first year. And I remember it so vividly because I'm pretty sure I still had, you know, that first week of class glow going on. Um, and so I'm sitting in class. It's 8 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. And the class was called Systematics 100. And Systematics is basically uh, the study of the teachings of the doctrine of the church. So here I am. Uh, I remember walking into class and we're all sitting in a circle so that we could see each other as we're going to have a lot of discussion. And after introductions and a little bit of conversation going over the syllabus and everything, uh, the professor kind of gets right down to it. He says, who is God? 
I remember in that moment, uh, two thoughts came to my mind. The first was, of course, is this a trick question? And then uh, as I began to look around the room and realized this was not a trick question, I thought to myself, well, I am never going to be a pastor. <laughs> and as I looked around the room, I could see the same sort of perplexed look on all of my fellow classmates' faces as if we were all kind of wondering, I don't know, I've, I've never really been asked this before. I mean, come on, you, you know who God is, right? Why are you asking us? And it, it kind of hit me. I've never thought about that before. And not only that, what if someone asked me that outside of seminary? What would I have said then? Do you know what you would say? Uh, I don't want you to put yourself in my shoes, but instead, I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes this morning. Of course, I'm certainly not Jesus, but I'm going to ask you the same question. Who do you say that Jesus is? You know, I mentioned that it's easy for us to uh, tell other people's stories or want to be in other people's stories. And I think part of the reason is because it's easier to, to talk about other people's stories. It's easier, in fact, to emphasize some of the really good things as if, you know, that's why we want to be in that story. For example, for the disciples, it was easy to say John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, other prophets. These were things that they heard and, well, easy for them to, to give that answer. Just like for me, it's pretty easy to tell you about Superman and Harry Potter and Alexander Hamilton. Uh, stories that, well, I'm not really sure we all identify with, but it makes sense. We kind of want to write ourselves into them. But that's not the case here, and that's not what Jesus is asking Peter, and that's not what I'm asking you. See, this is personal. Who do you say that Jesus is? As Jesus poses this question to Peter, and as I pose it to you, it's a personal question. It's a question that you have to answer. And, you know, it feels like there's a little bit more pressure now, right? I mean, what if you say the wrong thing? <laughs> what if you say one thing and then you do the opposite? What if uh, you say one thing and then say something different the next day? I mean, that never happens, right? Uh, well, I don't know about you, but I am certainly guilty of that. And honestly, not only that, <laughs> there's a good chance that a lot of people know what you believe. They know that you're a Christian. So there's going to be that assumption that you're going to know how to answer this question. I mean, you're, you claim to be a Christian, so who's Jesus, right? And now it's like, oh my gosh, I just have to say the right words. Well, I think... That's, in fact, where we get some help from Peter this morning. Because rather than trying to find or say the right words, perhaps we can start where, where Peter starts. See, when asked the question, who, does, who do you say that I am? When Jesus asks Peter, this is how he responds. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And after responding, uh, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Jesus makes it very clear that this answer is not something Peter concocted in his own mind, but rather it was revealed to him by God. This is Jesus reminding Peter and reminding you that your faith, your confession, 
is not something that you have to come up with on your own because it has been given to you. That's right. The answer is given to you. The truth revealed to you. I know it almost sounds too good to be true. At a time where we want more things to be revealed to us, we have this incredible, amazing truth. Not something we need to come up with off the top of our heads because God himself has revealed it to us. And, and it gets even better. It gets even sweeter. And I get even more excited as I read it because not only does Jesus remind us that this has been revealed to us, but he goes on to say that this confession, this reality that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, is the foundation on which the church is built. And on that foundation, not even the gates of Hades will prevail over it. And in fact, uh, other translations read or, or substitute Hades with the gates of hell or the gates of death. Saying that not even the gates of hell or the gates of death will prevail over Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Because he has already busted through those gates. He has prevailed over those gates. Not even death itself could prevail over Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What an incredible confession. And it's attached to such an incredible promise and so many wonderful truths. See, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And now someone may ask you, well, what exactly does that mean? I mean, what does that look like? Well, you don't have to answer that off the top of your head either. See, because Scripture, once again, the Word of God reveals to us all of those wonderful things. And I want to just share some of you, some of them this morning, from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, these are just some of the things that we hear about the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In Matthew 8, we hear about how he cleanses the unclean. And in Matthew 9, we hear about how he gives sight to the blind. In Matthew 14... We hear about he feeds those in need. In Matthew 15, just last week, we heard about how he saved a woman's daughter who was being tormented by a demon. In Matthew 27, we hear about how he dies on a cross for me and for you. And then, of course, in Matthew 28, we hear about that glorious resurrection as all the grounds shake, as the tombs open wide and the voices rejoice that he has risen from the dead. He has prevailed over death and the grave. And he rises again to new life. And in his resurrection, you are promised salvation. This is our confession. When we say that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, these are all the wonderful truths and realities that have been revealed to us and that we get to go out and to share with those who have not yet heard. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the beauty of this confession and the reality of it is that we don't need to try to come up with something on our own and we don't even need to try to write ourselves into someone else's place in the story because this is our story too. This is your story and my story. Jesus has made it that way. 
And I don't know about you, but I think this is the best story ever. So, who do you say that the Son of Man is? He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the author and perfecter of our faith, the foundation of this very place. And not even the gates of hell shall prevail over him because he has risen from the dead. And you and I, that's our story. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, hey.
God has made us his people through our baptism into Christ Jesus. Living together in trust and in hope, we confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. That your church may live securely on the foundation of faith, and we may never hesitate to confess the name of Jesus as our Messiah. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That you would protect all victims of violence, hatred, and bigotry, and make us agents of healing and reconciliation in the name and for the glory of your only Son. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That your spirit will work in the hearts and minds of our citizens and all our leaders to respond with grace, wisdom, and care to the ongoing pandemic, to be agents of justice and peace across our land and around the world, to uphold those who return to classrooms virtually or in person, and to freely elect those who will serve with the wisdom, respect, honor, and loving service to which you call us in the gospel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer that those who mourn would be comforted, those for whom death is near be given eternal hope, and those who suffer may know your healing presence and above all live in the sufficiency of your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, that our congregation may continue to shine as your light for the world through all the changes and chances of this life, for the restoration of the homeless, the hungry, the unemployed, and especially those who suffer from the lack of a relationship with you and your church family. Use us to humbly and generously share all blessings received with those around us until we enter together into the fullness of your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. According to your steadfast love, O God, hear these and all the prayers we commend to you thankful for your love and trusting in your mercy. Through your only Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who remembers us in his kingdom and who has taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.